Hi, I'm Chris Minella, and this is the Step Over Podcast. Hi, I'm Alton Copeland, and this is Step Over Podcast. Welcome to the Step Over Podcast. My name is Josh Lemoyne. Thanks for joining. I hope you're well. You look great. That new haircut's really working for you. If this is your first time listening, special welcome to you. This is a, uh, you know, I try and make it a like a hyper-local soccer podcast, uh, focusing on, on the sport in Ottawa, how it works. Um... When I feel like it or I have time, I put out an episode so there's no schedule. It's just like a little treat in your podcast subscription list. So you get to listen to me for a little bit, all drone on about something, and then you get to listen to me chat with uh, someone much more interesting than I am. And on today's episode, that'll be professional soccer player and Orleans native Miranda Smith. Um, I had the very good fortune to to chat with her um, a little while ago, actually, um, just as she was starting her her second season as a professional. And this year, that was playing with a team uh, in Akureyri, Iceland. So I got to ask her all about that. And she was fantastic. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. But this has been a really fun week uh, if you're a fan of Atleti Ottawa. They finally, after like 600 plus days after first being announced, they got to play their first home game on Saturday. And it was such a fantastic time. I guess they were allowed to hold... Uh, 12,000 people for it. That was the pay-what-you-want game. They sold them all out. And if you were there, like, how good did that feel to be, you know, A, just in a stadium, period, and B, in that atmosphere with thousands of other people, you know, there's not much like it, and it was nice to have, you know, that back again. And the fact that it was such a good game, too. Like, both Ottawa and Halifax, you know, they both had their chances. With a few minutes to go, it was 1-1. Then Brian Wright puts Ottawa up with a few minutes to go. They hold on, they get the three points. Crowd goes wild. It was just such a good night. And then last night, Wednesday night, Ottawa took on York United. And again, um, you know, it wasn't the big, it wasn't the massive crowd uh, that we had on Saturday. But I thought it looked decent. I don't know what the final numbers were, but, you know, it wasn't a disappointing crowd by any, by any means. Whatever number that was, it looked pretty good. And the crowd seemed into it. It was another entertaining game. There were a few really good performances. Pauli made some uh, really key saves early on. Uh, but one thing that I think needs uh, to be appreciated, uh, so head coach Mista was not on the sidelines because uh, he was serving a a uh, suspension. So it was assistant coach AJ Cabra in charge. Now AJ is just starting out his coaching career. Um, he just retired at the end of the last season. He's only 26, uh, but he was in charge for this game. And around the half hour mark, um, so about, I'd say about 30 minutes into the first half, um, he saw something that he didn't like. And he decided to make a substitution. And he replaced Uche with uh, Vidi Martinez. So Uche, don't think it was hurt. He was pissed off that he was t- being taken off. But up until that point, um, the game was fairly even. I think that you would give the balance of play to Ottawa. But uh, York had far more shots at that point. So Cabra thought uh, he would make an early substitution. And from that point on, uh, I think Ottawa basically dominated play, both in possession and in shots. And I think he also made uh, like a formation change as well. I think they started with like a 4-3-3 and they seemed to go to like a 4-4-2. Anyways, I don't want that to go unnoticed because uh, one thing I appreciate from a coach, especially a new coach, um, and I think it's a really good sign for AJ, uh, is, you know, you want a bit of bravery from your coach. And I don't think we see that enough. Like, I don't think that was a Mista call. I think that was an AJ Cabra call. And I mean, it could have backfired, but based on the results, it absolutely was the right call. And yeah, having the guts to to make a call like that, make that change, make that substitution, change the tactics a little bit, I think that bodes very well for AJ's career down the road. 
He's still young. There's He's not going to... I'm not suggesting he's going to take over or anything like that. Um, he needs to cut his teeth for, for a good while yet. But some players, they retire. And, and, you know, you can tell they don't have the mind for coaching. And, you know, something like that, um, I think, shows that he's he's got it. He's got that mind for it. And uh, he seems like a guy who's going to have, like, a long coaching career ahead of him. But, yeah, so in two home games... Uh, Ottawa's got four points, and if you'd said, hey, after these two games, you're going to have four points, uh, you would have taken that. Absolutely, you would have. These last two matches at home, you know, the team has shown uh, a lot more organization, a lot more purpose, and that maybe they don't belong uh, in the bottom of the standings where they are right now. So we're going to see if this is the start of, of a more improved stretch for Atletico Ottawa. Um, before the break, um, I just want to give a shout-out to Ottawa South United. They finished their PLSQ seasons on both the men's and the women's sides um i know on the men's side they didn't have quite as strong a season as they might have liked uh they finished eighth in the 10 team table but they were very competitive all season and on the women's side they should be especially proud because really they were in contention for uh the final four uh which is the plsq playoffs um right up until the last weekend but it wasn't to be for them either but now that that season's over those players will be starting their university seasons. Um, so players like Taylor Saunders at Carleton, Maddie Strickler at Queens, Evelyn Arsenault down at UConn, Tristan McFarland at Hartford, and many others. Um, we're looking forward to seeing what they do um, over the coming months. Because, yeah, American schools, um, they're just about to start their seasons. And new sports action also right around the corner. So there's going to be a lot of really great soccer to look forward to. And on that note, uh, we're going to chat with someone who played university soccer both in the States and in Canada, and won a University World Cup. So we're going to chat with Miranda Smith right after this. So Miranda Smith joins us from Iceland. Uh, Can you tell us the name of the town that you're in? Yes. So um, forgive me if I don't do pronunciation justice, but it's um, Akureyri. Accurary. Yeah. Um, yeah. On a map. Like that's one of the, like you probably lucked out by going to Accurary because um, <laughs> there's so many towns there that are like unpronounceable. Um, have you learned any other town names? Because um, there's some that are like 40 letters long with like, um, non-English characters. I think the only one I know how to say is the capital, Reykjavik. That one's actually not that bad. It's not too bad. But- yeah. The ones that end in Vic aren't aren't too bad. Uh, yeah, there's Vic another one like Keflavik or something like that. Yeah, so- yeah, like the airport one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's uh, one that's just called Vic. Oh, really? Probably. Yeah, yeah. I, like, on the uh, south, I think there's a town of Vic. Any like even learning my club name was hard. So, so, so it is the name of your of your current club. Um, so it's it's a the combination of the two clubs in um, Akureyri, and it's. Thor is like the first part and then Kawa and then together it's Thor Kawa but when I first saw like read about it and everything I thought it was pronounced Dorka because of their like D letter with the with the line through it yeah so I was saying Dorka and yeah it was way off (laughs) (laughs) so how long have you been there um just about I think it's two weeks, maybe a bit less or a bit more. One of the okay. two. Um, but I spent the first 
like five, six days in quarantine. Okay. In a hotel. So. Um, so you haven't been able to, to try a lot of like the local flavors from what it, I understand. Yeah. Um, no, I have not. I haven't, um, like the first week has kind of been like a bit of a whirlwind week and a half, like trying to settle in, figure everything out. So I actually haven't gotten, like, we haven't gone out to eat yet really. So I've j- just coffee. I've gone to coffee shops. Cause like that was the coffee in Iceland. Good, good. It's the one thing I like can't go without, but they don't have Starbucks here. It's like so tragic for me. (laughs) (laughs) There's no like chain coffee shop here. Everything's very like small shops. Even like there's no McDonald's here. There's like not many. like, Like get to know which ones are good and which ones aren't. Yeah, but so far actually, like, I mean, the cappuccinos I've had from each place have been pretty solid so okay i got a list of of foods that are are apparently very like uh either common or like they're they're like icelandic things that that you have to try and i'm just wondering if you've tried any of them so have you tried mashed fish no but um i believe they did give me that at the hotel um it literally looked like mashed up fish but they mix it with olives and I don't like olives. So I just, I didn't give that a try at all. <laughs> um, have you tried pickled herring? No, I have Sorry, not. I have, a, I have a dog barking upstairs. Can you hear that? No, actually. So you're good. Okay. okay. So pickled herring. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't, I uh, haven't given that a go yet, but um, I always try things once. So maybe if that comes up, we'll see. Okay. But um there's a there's a kind of yogurt called skier we like i know we have skier in canada um but i don't know if it's different there apparently it's it's classified as a kind of cheese there um well so i i do actually have a big tub of that yogurt in my fridge right now but i don't know about the cheese like a description i don't know (laughs) if it's cheese like i just know there's classified as a cheese really yeah interesting um I don't know. I, th- I think it's like yogurt. So okay. yeah, I, and I get like a vanilla flavor feel it tastes like yogurt, just like, it's like a Greek yogurt with like the thickness, but maybe like a slight bit thicker than Greek yogurt. So apparently they have, uh, their own Icelandic ice cream and Icelandic rye breads. I have not tried Icelandic ice cream. Not opposed to that because I love ice cream. Um, the rye bread, I, I had rye bread at a hotel, but is it like like the top of the line Icelandic rye bread? Probably not. So I'll have to give that a try. Okay. But it was good what I had. I thought it just tasted like rye bread that I would get home. Yeah. Okay. And uh, there's this. Uh, there's this traditional food that uh, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's spelled uh, Hakarl. Um, it's like a fermented shark. Um, and from experience, I can tell you that it uh, it smells like uh, like a cat litter box. Oh, yeah, and it's got like and it's got like a cheesy consistency. Um, but it's but it's like like it's not something that Iceland people eat now, but they do give it to tourists. Uh... Have you had a chance to? No, and I'm not. I I just said I'm pretty open to trying things, but 
I don't know if I'd be able to do that. Do you know what they do uh, with it? They they bury it and they let it and they let it uh, like basically rot, and then they and then they dig it up and they air it out. So like if you're driving around, there'll be these like these like barns that don't have walls, and they just have these like pieces of meat hanging from them to like air them out, and then they uh, feed it to tourists. Yeah, I've yet to come across that, and um, I'm not upset about it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't know well, if, if you do. If you do, let us know. Um, and uh, so it obviously doesn't taste good either. Um, but the traditional thing to do to follow it up with to wash down the taste is this drink called Brennavin, uh, which they also call Black Death. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you have your hakarl, your like fermented shark, and then you wash it down with a shot of of Black Death because that's the one thing that's like tastes worse than it. Like oh. It's like a black licorice schnapps. Oh, we can wonderful. get it everywhere. Yeah. I hate black licorice. So that would just be adding even more grossness to the flavoring. So, but that, tour- so that tourist day in your future is not going to be a good one. No, it will not be a good one for me. <laughs> First, if I don't get sick off the shark, I would definitely get sick off the black licorice. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, you're from Ottawa. Uh, what neighborhood did you call home when you were growing up? Um, I grew up in Orleans. Um, I went to high school in Orleans, and then uh, my parents got divorced in grade nine, and my dad moved to Stittsville, and eventually my mom moved to Hunt Club, but I finished my like high school uh, time in Orleans, and then like now I've kind of lived everywhere. But Okay. Um, yeah. When did you first start playing soccer? Uh, I started when I was four, um, just with the Gloucester Dragons. Um, and I think I played there until like competitive soccer became a thing for like the age that I was at. I think it was under nine. Um, and then, yeah, from there, I just like continued to play competitively, but I started in the Dragons at four. Yeah. Well, like, when did you uh, decide to start taking soccer? Like, uh, you make that your thing, like, take it seriously. Um, so when I was nine, I did my first year of competitive soccer, but like, um, my team wasn't the strongest. Like, my parents didn't know anything about much about soccer in the area. It was like new for ev- all of us. And then, um, so I played my first year there, and then. Um, a couple like parents from other teams were like, oh, you should bring her here. Like there's more training, coaching. Um, and then I ended up meeting like uh, Sanjeev Parmar through one of uh, the parents or my, my parents met him. Uh, and then he was like starting this program for his who he would select as like the top 20 girls in Ottawa for our age group and was just going to train them like all year kind of deal. Um, So I joined, he like evaluated me and when he uh, decided that he would take me into the program is when I kind of, I also did um, competitive gymnastics uh, or for like, I was doing 20 hours a week of gymnastics at the time. Um, So it, I had to, I went and like got evaluated for gymnastics too, because I wanted to kind of figure out at, 
which is so crazy because I was so young, but like where I might have the most potential. Um, Cause I, I was, I think like what made me good at gymnastics was I was fearless and small. So um, I did, I was good at gymnastics for my age. So, um, but I ended up picking soccer because I thought I would have a better pathway and then once I quit gymnastics I was able to like fully focus on soccer okay so like one thing I've often uh heard and like and and there's a lot to like back this up uh is that like kids who do who do more than one activity who you do do more than one sport um tend to do better at at like everything that they're doing um do you think that doing gymnastics uh kind of help with your soccer as well I 100% will say gymnastics was like the biggest blessing for me as a child and helped me so much in soccer. Like um, just even, I mean, I know you don't need to be flexible to play soccer and I'm not flexible now, but (laughs) at the time, like being, having uh, like some of the things that come from gymnastics, like definitely helped me. Like I was I mean, we do a lot of conditioning in gymnastics. So I was strong um, and being flexible. Like I've learned now as I'm not flexible, (laughs) um, if you're like, you can run faster because like uh, you can stride. Like uh, when I go to physio, they have said like, I'm so tight that like my, it slows me down because I can't reach my like full stride. Um. Where when I was in gymnastics, it I was really flexible and I just feel like it helped in so many different aspects like discipline, um, drive, like commitment. I don't know. It was I think it's so beneficial. There's like lots of studies that apparently say that gymnastics is like really helps with other sports as well. So, well, I mean, gymnasts have to be some of the strongest athletes in the world uh you know like some of the things that that uh um, like I like I don't know a lot about gymnastics I was never in gymnastics you know um yeah you know know, so I don't know if there's different uh things that you see at the Olympics that like you know certain gymnast do and and, like some don't um uh but like the control that you have to have uh you know you have to be extremely strong to do those things yeah and I think even just like coordination like it helps with that um and like you like strength wise like as a gymnast, you're not just like dominant in like one area, like you have to be kind of strong all over. So I think that's something that like helped me a lot when I was younger is like, I don't just like balance. I don't know how to explain that. <laughs> like I wasn't just like super strong in one area. Like I just had a good balance all over, you know? Okay. Did it help? Like you said that you're a bit on the smaller side. Did that help kind of like uh, you know, protecting the ball and, 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 uh, you know, kind of fending off maybe bigger players. Yeah, definitely. And I think like might be a little more like agile from it. Maybe not so much anymore. It's been quite <laughs> time, but back then. Um, so I didn't realize, uh, that when you went to university, like you started your university career, uh, at the university of Memphis. Um, yeah. so what, uh, so what brought you there? Um, I guess like from the time I decided to pursue soccer and had chosen that as my pathway, um, my goals were always to go to school in the U S that's kind of what we're taught is like, 
Dianobial. Um, so as soon as I was old enough to kind of understand and everything, that was what was set to be like the golden path. Like this is where you're going to go. That's how it's going to be. Um, and that's how you'll achieve, get to like your best, everything, reach all your, so that was like the end all be all. Um, I really like got connected with Memphis through um, the provincial program. I did that from the actual provincial program was U14 to U16. And then we, once you leave U16, you become part of their like NTC program, which was like the national training center. Um, So I did that until pretty much until I left for university. But yeah, I got to Memphis because of uh, the provincial program and one of the coaches had like connected me with Memphis. Okay. Yeah. Cause um, yeah. Cause I know Memphis is, is a bit of like a team Canada uh, type program. Like they have a ton of Canadians. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, there haven't been too many episodes of this podcast yet, but one uh, of my guests was uh, Clarissa Larissi. Uh, I'm not sure if you played with her. Yeah. It seems like they, they really like, I think at the moment, like half their squad is from Canada. Yeah. Um, did you find that like um, that they were specifically maybe tapping a market that that most universities don't don't necessarily go after poaching the best players? Maybe I'm not like entirely sure. I think now a lot of uh, American schools are starting to look into um, like having Canadian players, like even some of the bigger schools like uh, UCLA now has some Canadians and like um I feel like when I, when I was a bit younger and looking, like not all American schools were looking. And I know Memphis was always looking at Canadians. It's definitely like they're, they're good at getting Canadian players um, because they can, they can back it up with the fact that they have so many. Right. So it's like, it, it's an appealing process. If you see like so many Canadians have been there. Well, yeah, like there's so many Canadians getting so much playing time there. Yeah. Um, so what were you studying there? Um, I took journalism. When I came home, I ended up switching into communications um, just because I think I have like a bit more options with communications. But I still want, I think my goal is to do some sort of like broadcasting. So I will have to probably go back to school to do a little bit of um like more targeted towards broadcasting. So yeah, that's why I went into journalism at Memphis. Okay, gotcha. Uh, it was what, three years at Memphis? Um, so you switched to the U of O and you came back home. Was it was it soccer that brought you back to Ottawa or, or was it the program? Um, it was soccer. Like my decision was actually based purely off of soccer um because I loved school there and I loved my friends um my boyfriend was there so I had a lot in Memphis that I wanted to stay for but um ultimately my decision came down to uh this sport that I spent my whole life uh working for in this experience that I had spent my whole life to get to and that I just was really unhappy in and um I felt I deserve for myself, like the opportunity to enjoy the sport and something I worked my whole life for. I was at a point where 
I never wanted to play soccer again. Like I, I hated it. Um, so leaving, even though it was hard, um, was the best decision I ever made. Um, I feel like the environment that was created in Memphis just wasn't healthy for me. Um, and I became like a shell of myself, like as, as a player for sure. And even a bit as a person, um, I just wasn't happy when you're doing something every day that like gives you anxiety and, um, it's like that carries over into your every, everyday life. And so it wasn't just like, I would go to soccer, but then I'd be like overwhelmed all day and just struggling. So, um, just for my own mental health and love of the game. I still, I wanted to love the game. I spent my whole life working for, so I left and it was the best thing I ever did for myself. Was it like um, the nature of the student athlete in the States? You know, cause it's different being, you know, being at a school and like part of a sports program there than it is in Canada. Um, did that yeah. play into, into, you know, kind of what made that an unhealthy situation for you? Um, I think, I don't think it was necessarily that. I think that, unfortunately, in my case, um, I, my relationship with the coaching staff was very hit and miss. And um, often it, it depended on the day. Sometimes they were, we had a good relationship. Sometimes we didn't. And um, it was just really hard on me. And I just had lost like all my confidence in soccer and as a player. And when you aren't confident and you don't feel as though your coaching staff is confident in you, then it's hard to go out and perform and not be scared. And I just was scared. And um, I think like, I loved being a student athlete. It was great. Um, And I loved like the, like a little bit different in the U S was like, how close all student athletes were and like knew each other. Um, Going to school in Ottawa was a bit different, but um, I actually loved the environment of the student athlete uh, community in the U.S. It's just was unfortunate. Um, And I, I think something that is a bit different also is like uh, for the coaching staff, a lot of American schools, like the coaching staff, yeah, like they're if they're not winning, their job is on the line. I know that's like it's the same in Canada, but maybe not to like as high of a degree. So like um, when things aren't going well for them, it can become a tougher environment. Okay, that's fair. And like I don't want to sit here and like I'm not trying to bash Memphis. It wasn't. It just wasn't a great fit for me. And yeah. But I mean, good for you for you know, recognizing that, that like that can't have been, uh, you know, an easy thing to do. And, you know, deciding to, you know, to leave that program, um, you said was a good decision for you, but that can't have been easy to do. Uh, and I'm sure it would have been, you know, there's probably pressure to, to stay as well. You know, so good for you for, you know, recognizing that. Thanks. I, uh, there definitely, it was hard. Like you're, I, it was a tough decision. You're leaving a full scholarship, um, and in Canada, they don't offer full athletic scholarships. Um, so that was hard. And 
especially like going into my senior year, it's a very hard, like it's rare that people leave and they're going into their senior year. But um, ultimately I felt like my happiness, um, like in terms of even the scholarship, I felt like you couldn't, in my eyes, like I couldn't put a price on my happiness. So if I was going home and like, I wasn't getting as much, like it was okay to me because I deserve the opportunity to try and find um, happiness in that sport. And um, I was able to maintain, like, I mean, my boyfriend and I stayed together. So it was, it was good. It was hard, but it was the right decision for me. Well, so you moved to Ottawa. um, And I mean, you could have chosen a worse situation to move into because uh, in 2018 uh, you know with the GGs you won the 2018 U Sports National Championship um, and you scored the winning goal um, <laughs> yeah yeah so I watched that goal last night uh, and that was a great goal like that was a screamer from 30 yards out bar down and in to make a 2-1 like the keeper had no no chance came out of Thank nowhere you. I have like I probably could never um, redo that in a million years. <laughs> I don't know like what came over me, but yeah, it. I mean, even still, I'm like, I don't know how I did that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you still think but, about it every now and then? Be like, oh, that was such a good shot. Yeah, it's so crazy. Um, but yeah, I was I was so fortunate to come home and join um, the U Ottawa program. I had a really good relationship with uh, Steve um, and Mark Fowler and Stu Barber. I knew them all. Um, And my first year back that uh, we won in my second year. And my first year back was like a good kind of like we built um, into that like year. Do you know what I mean? Like it was a good learning year for everyone. learned like how to become what it really means to be a team and stuff like that over the course of the previous year so then the year that we won nationals like that was the most in sync team and like committed uh team I've ever been a part of it was just like like a storybook team you know storybook ending everything um but yeah the my first year back was especially for myself like a big transition kind of building year I was relearning to love the game relearning or rediscovering my confidence um kind of building that up building up trust with like the coaching staff and everything um and adapting to like a completely different environment um I think like the biggest thing in the U.S. that I felt was and a big reason behind like me becoming so anxious and stuff was um, you, it felt like you had to be perfect in every single thing you did, um, which is just an unrealistic expectation um, as like humans, you know, we're meant to make mistakes. That's often how we learn, but when you're constantly punished and like with extreme punishments for those mistakes, it just like, you get so anxious because you never want to make them. But I mean, it's going to happen every now and then. Um, And like, it was just like a very controlling environment. Whereas like 
coming home and learning that like, oh my gosh, it was okay if I made a mistake or like uh, I was allowed to eat certain things. Like it was just <laughs> so like, it was a lot to adapt to. It was great though. Like I actually felt more, um, it's kind of weird because like you go to school and you're 18 and like you're kind of, beca- you're becoming an adult, but i never felt more kind of like a child. Like I was monitored in every single thing I did, what I ate, uh, if my schoolwork was done, like, you know, it's a very, what auto you, you're, you're expected to be an adult and be able to take care of those things yourself. And like, you know, your body, so you can eat what you know is going to benefit you, not what they say is going to benefit you. So it was just a, like a huge transition, but an amazing one. And then kind of, we learned through my first year back, like as a team, what was, great for us and we kind of went through a bit of a lower point which really helped us come out of it and like build from there and then we had an incredible 2018 29 I think 2018 2019 season or I guess 2018 and then that like kind of led into 2019 yeah so that that year though was just like the most incredible soccer year I think I will ever have in my entire life. Well, yeah, because that that you know national championship wasn't the end of it. That um, you know you then qualified for the first ever University World Cup, uh, yeah. which was held in China. So the last person I uh, actually spoke with was uh, was your goalie Margot Shore. Yeah. Um, so she had uh, you know a great view of, of that whole tournament from you know from the back end. Um, yeah your team made it to the final uh, against police university from Brazil. And so Margo said that like, that was the best team that your Gigi's team had like ever faced till that point. Oh, yeah. Um, did your team like run tape on them? Like, like what were your thoughts going into that, that like championship game? Um, well, truthfully, like I just going into the tournament in general, like I wasn't sure what to expect. Cause um, that summer uh, prior there was four of us who had gone to the uh, FISU like Universiad kind of it's like a an Olympics for um, student athletes so it had like every sport and um, we went there and it was the way that they made that team for soccer was like a selection of players across all the universities in Canada Um, so we went there and like those games were very hard. Um, we didn't actually, our results didn't turn out as great as we had hoped. And so going into this FISU tournament, I didn't know, like we were all like, well, we don't really know what to expect. Like that was so hard. So we weren't really sure where we, how we'd fall. Um, but I think like, if there's anything I've learned from like, those two tournaments is there's so much to be said for team chemistry and like working together as a team you know like that Ottawa U group had been together and we did have some newer players but a good core of the group was from the previous 2018 team and um it's just like 
begin when you spend and play so much time together, you learn how each player works, what works for them. Whereas like in contrast, when we went in to Italy for the other one, it was a bunch of players who were selected from Canada uh, across the Canadian schools, but thrown together. And yes, like each one is very talented, but everyone is coming from a different background and how they work. So um, I think like, and when I had talked to a couple of the girls from the Brazil team, like, cause that team was so good, like uh, skilled, fast, smart, like just know the game. And they have players now on their full uh, national team playing with Marta. So it's, I mean, they were a very talented team, wow, but yeah. yeah, when I talked to them, they said it was the fact you guys played so well together as a team. Like you guys worked, fought that whole game as a team. And I just think like, there's so much to be said for that. And I would agree because like, were we as skilled as them? No, but we have like, we had the heart for like, uh, and the drive for each other. Like we wanted to work for each other and it's just yeah, like, I don't know, going into that game, we watched a bit of video, but it was a bit like, we didn't have that much video to watch. So we kind of went in knowing that they had beat every team before them, like some by quite a big number. Yeah, Like they, yeah, like they really thumped pretty much every other team. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was a bit not like nerve wracking in, in a good way. I don't know. It's like we were most definitely probably the underdog going into that. But I think like, um, I don't know if for me, at least like that almost pushes me more. Um, yeah, pumped you up as opposed to being yeah. haunted by it. Yeah. Um, that for also for me would be my last game ever with like those like a player for Ottawa U so like you just want to leave everything you have and there was a couple of us in that situation but yeah I think I think we all had a good attitude going into it like we uh, truthfully I don't think expected to get that far already so um we just kind of like would go off of our previous game like well, we were able to do that. So like, why can't we do this? You know what I mean? So you're in your second professional year, right? Yes. Um, but last year, I only ended up like playing a half year. Um, Was that because of COVID I went, or? Uh, well, yeah, kind of. I accepted the contract like already a bit later in the season um, just because that was my first time trying to figure out how everything works. I didn't really know what I was doing. This offer came like out of nowhere to go to Finland. But at the time I was like, I'm doing nothing in Ottawa. Like everything's shut down. I just need to get out of here. I need to play. I need the experience. Um, so I knew that I was going in late, but then I was supposed to, by the time I had actually gotten there, it was like two months after the fact that I was, I was supposed to be there. So I ended up only getting to play, I think like seven games there, but I, if I had gotten there when I was supposed to be, it would have been maybe like, uh, 12 or 13 games. But, um, yeah. So then this is my second contract. But this, I'll be here for 
the duration of the full season. Okay. So Iceland soccer, uh, like, I think is interesting for like a lot of people because, you know, it's such a small country. Uh, mm-hmm. So the men's national team is, is like well documented, like take yeah. on Spain, Italy, whoever they um, just like overperform, you know, like, they're, yeah. you know, it's like 300,000 people there. Um, but the women's team uh, is no slouch either. Uh, like they're ranked, uh, I think, 18th in the world. But, you know, they like, again, they have the population of like Orleans, Barhaven and Canada. I know it's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. So like, I know you haven't been there long, but I'm, you know, especially curious about the, about the infrastructure for like the women's game. Like, what's it like there? Like, cause I know the, the men's side, you know, the men's leagues have like multiple divisions, like, like four or five, six divisions or something like that. What's the women's yeah. side like? Um, I know that there are multiple divisions here also. I don't know how many, um, but I know like under the, the league that we're in there's like a couple that fall after uh, yeah I'm not sure on the exact number but I mean I think like in in our league I believe it's 10 teams and um they're like spread across obviously um across Iceland and I'm like just based off of what I've seen so far and like our facilities like they're pretty nice like I can understand like how a lot of like being able to be a top team play everything is like you have to have access to like certain things where like so our facility like in it one of them we have two because we're the like two combinations right right yeah um but like the one that we normally train at has a huge indoor facility which um is pretty much like we have access to whenever we want really which is great because like um that allows even like myself to go in and get extra training when I need it um there's like a gym in there um lots of like meeting rooms like a club like it's more of a like you have access to the things that you need to be at your top competing level as an athlete you know I don't know if that's the case for all the clubs across Iceland because I haven't really gotten to see much yet but I think like I think that that's an important part like being a good athlete is more than just being able to um play the game like there's like a mental side of it um like the actual athletic side to it like the gym like there's so many different things that contribute to making you like a good all-round athlete so I think like from what I've seen so far we have a lot of uh like access to things that can contribute to that so yeah okay so there's like a lot of like different support features I guess yeah and like our coaches are committed like they're if we want extra training they will be the ones to provide that so that's great it's not like I'm going out and making up a session for myself do you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I, I just feel like it's a really good environment to develop and learn and so okay so uh I've just got a few quick questions for you yes um who has had the biggest impact on your career so far oh that's a very tough question <laughs> for sure um soccer related there's been a couple coaches I think that really made me to in and shape me into the player I am today from like a youth level, um, Chris Grimes and 
Sanjeev has been consistent throughout my career from he like found me, started and like developed me. And I still, when I go home, train with him. So he's been like consistent, but like Chris Grimes was my first club coach that really developed me. And then uh, Raz Alazmar, um, I was with him for a long time and he was a great coach, positive influence, really, um, it was like a tougher time in my life. So he was, uh, like very good for me. And then, um, I would say Steve and like the whole Ottawa U staff has been really good at helping me regain everything that I had lost and like grow from there. Um, so yeah, definitely. But then outside of soccer, of course, my family is incredible. This has given me my whole life to pursue this path even though it's not always the easiest they had to give up and sacrifice a lot so um obviously those uh coaches and my family what's your favorite field to play on in ottawa (sighs) that's a good question probably the i think the like minto field at ottawa u uh that's just like our favorite field um it would have to be any turf field because unfortunately all our grass fields are um, like have huge dirt patches in them because <laughs> of our winters. So, um, but I think like that Minto field has like been home for us or myself over the last couple of years. Obviously COVID put a huge damper in that, but I was still going to train with them when I finished. So that's probably my favorite field. Okay. Um, if you could play a different sport professionally what would it be and it doesn't have to be like one that you've actually done yeah um I think though it it would be gymnastics um I just love I mean it's my favorite sport to watch on like during the Olympics I think like the stuff that they do is so incredible and like um so few people can do that um but then I do love like but I'm super short. So, I mean, I basketball wouldn't be really a thing, but I do think it's a fun sport. You can still do that. <laughs> yeah. Monkey well, Bogues was, was five foot three. That's taller than me though. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Only one um, inch. But I mean, it's not, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Um, your favorite food. I love fruit. I really love fruit. Any fruit except for grapefruit. Okay. Watermelon. So, okay. So if anyone gives you like a, like one of those edible arrangements for your birthday that would be like a good a good that is what my boyfriend gets me every time no way right on yes i'm like i would prefer that over flowers because then i can eat it (laughs) (laughs) the best Uh, right on so what's something that you've started to do like during covid or like because of covid that you might keep doing once covid's over well, I think like through COVID, something that a lot of people have like had to deal with is like uh, I don't know, stress or anxiety because it's like an unknown. We don't know what's happening. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Um, I've just really put like an emphasis on self-care. Um, it depending on the day, like it varies, but like, even if it means just like taking a bath and reading a book and like time to like, just take care of myself, I think is just the most important thing. Um, even if that was like writing in a journal or like reading a positive, like 
story. My brother brought me this book of like all these uh, like acts of human kindness um, that just like sometimes you read and like just makes you feel good. So just doing little things like that, I think have been um, really important for me. And I think if anyone can like take time to do good things for themselves right now, they should be because it's such a hard time. Nobody knows how to get through it because it's like new for everyone. So trying things out that, I don't know, anything that can like make you feel a bit better, it's worth it. Yeah. Nice. I was just going to say like, you know, I cut my hair now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've been cooking too. I like that. Okay. I did. I was actually really fortunate throughout COVID that um, while I was at home, I was able to work the whole time. Um, so uh, because I work, like I work at Sportcheck while I'm home, but um, I work in the like online order department. So um, I was working the whole time. Um, but that has also been something that kind of kept me sane. I'm a very like busybody, So I can't imagine if I hadn't been working and sitting at home, which is majority of a lot of people. Like my brother was one of those people who didn't get to work. And um, I just can't imagine. I was very fortunate. So if you're at a chip stand, do you get poutine or regular fries? <sighs> Probably regular fries. Yeah, I think. But I love poutine too. It just depends on the day. But cheese sometimes hurts my stomach so that's fair that's fair yeah wearing sweatpants to the grocery store is that okay for you or not okay absolutely always okay i am probably always wearing sweatpants to the- <laughs> i always feel i always feel very self-conscious if i'm like out and about in like sweatpants i do and, and like i don't know why it's just it, like it's just me and i'm not and and like i'm not like looking at other people in sweatpants it's just like yeah. how I feel in sweatpants no I know a lot of people like that um I am just not one of them I could I don't care and especially now in COVID wear the sweatpants wear your pajamas do whatever makes you happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I haven't worn my pajamas to the grocery store yet but I mean you're trying I to make you know an impression on Iceland yeah exactly but I mean I w- wouldn't be judging anyone if they did exactly uh okay so last question uh pie in the sky what's like what's one club that you would absolutely love to play for one day like pie in the sky in your dreams I'm playing for this club uh I don't know if I have a specific club but I can say like I think I'd love to play in France just anywhere I mean obviously in like my goal would be to reach the like top league but I would be happy to play in France I um I don't, that's always just kind of been a goal of mine so it wasn't ever like a specific club but I would like to play in France. Mm-hmm.